Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. On today's episode of Rock Your Retirement, we speak with sports injury acupuncturist Michael Julian, who answers a very important question. Can acupuncture help erectile dysfunction? Find out on today's episode of Rock Your Retirement. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Our guest for today is Michael Julian. He's the owner of Cypress Acupuncture and is an acupuncturist who has specialized in the treatment of orthopedic pain and disorders, as well as sports injuries. He helps active people and athletes of all levels, from retirees and weekend warriors to professional athletes. He's had regular success for 10 years healing injuries associated with golf, tennis, running, surfing, swimming, and more. A certified sports medicine acupuncturist, he employs a specific assessment protocol to identify the underlying cause of the issue and heal the patient quickly. Michael's personal experience as an aging athlete and his experience recovering from chronic pain informs his daily practice. In addition to operating his private practice, Michael has been an intern supervisor at UCSD's athletic training facility. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kathy. It's great to talk with you. Yeah, so how did you get into this? Well, um, there's been a few things that have happened in my life that, that got me into uh, sports medicine acupuncture. Um, to begin with, uh, in the 90s, I was working really hard in a, in a previous career, and uh, I ended up with some kind of uh, disorder that was undiagnosable, and, and I wasn't able to get help uh, with conventional medicine, or they tried, but uh, wasn't getting good answers. And somebody introduced me to an acupuncturist and I thought that was really strange and I was kind of resistant at first. Um, but, uh, after about six months of feeling really ill, this guy helped me and it, it took about two months, but that, that was my first introduction. And then, um, 
I also had a, a long period of chronic knee pain. And as you mentioned, I'm a pretty athletic guy. I like to stay active. And it was something that came up almost every time I went out and ran or surfed or skateboarded or did anything like that. And uh, I met a gentleman here in San Diego uh, that after 20 years of pain, I had about three treatments with him. I think it was three treatments. And um, the knee pain went away and it hasn't come back ever since. And so after three treatments, after three treatments, and not every, not every situation is like that. Uh, but it's, it's also not totally rare. That does happen. And it's not magic. You know, there was a condition in my knee that was undiagnosed and he diagnosed it and knew what to do. And I don't have that pain anymore. So I want to share that with other people. What's possible. Wow. I, I I'm speechless. So what do you say to people that are afraid of needles? I mean, like myself, I'm the type of person that has to lay down when they take blood from my finger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think all of us have some fear of needles. You know, the needles puncture the body. That's that's not comfortable, <laughs> you know. So um, I, I certainly am not. Uh, I don't think, oh, wow, needles. I'm so excited. I can't wait to be punctured with a needle. But you know, that, that's my first response, honestly, is that's, that's really common. Um, there are levels of fear about it that are phobias. And if you have a needle phobia, well, that's something we can work around. You know, we can either warm somebody up to using needles uh, by slowly introducing them, or there's a lot of other modalities that I use in my practice. And we may not even need them, depending on what condition the, the patient has. But um, everyone has varying levels of sensitivity. But the thing to know is with most people, it really is a pleasant experience with many of the needles, if not most of them during a treatment, you don't even really feel the insertion of the needle because we tap it past the skin so quickly that the nerves in the skin, the dermatomes, they don't even have a chance to pick up the sensation and create that stinging feeling that you might expect. So what most people feel is kind of a pleasant, dull um, ache uh, at the side of the needle, or in some cases, they don't feel anything. It really varies depending on the person, but you know, 90% of people are, are just fine with it. And, and that's why most of us who are acupuncturists, who are serious about our business are, are uh, pretty busy. Well, I have a confession to make um, for my listeners. I've never used Michael Julian's uh, acupuncture service because I'm not a sports, you know, I'm not very active. In fact, I got in trouble with my doctor for getting too fat. Um, yeah. <laughs> so confession time. And, um, but I had a client who was, let's just say over 65 who needed acupuncture and she was, or she, she had some pain and she was deathly afraid of needles. And I had been, uh, I, I'd known Michael for a while. So I said, why don't you go try out his services? And she said she fell asleep. Yeah. So I thought that was super cool. And then one other thing that I'm going to confess is my listeners uh, probably don't know this, but I have been diagnosed with a condition called dystonia. And what that means is I make these weird facial movements uh, with my face. You know, I'll, I'll, my one eye will close or, you know, I'll make a grimace. And it's not the type of condition that Michael treats. In fact, nobody treats it. But I had gone and there was some kind of special 
and I had driven about 45 minutes to an acupuncturist who was having a special. It was $20. And it was, the uh, I forget what they called it, cosmetic acupuncture. And because my face is doing all these weird things, I thought, oh, now I'm starting to get wrinkles. And so I went. And it was amazing. I had all these needles in my face. And the first time I didn't fall asleep, but I fell asleep the second time. And I thought, wow, here I am, someone who has to lay down to get my blood drawn from my finger. And I'm falling asleep with 30 needles all over my body and in my face. So that's my confession, Michael. Yeah, (laughs) that's a pretty good treatment, 30 needles. (laughs) That's a lot. And what, what it does is release endorphins. Um, very quickly. And that's why, that's why we're able to fall asleep so easy is very, once the needles are in, it's extremely calming. If you can say extremely calming, <laughs> it's, it's really deeply relaxing. And, uh, so some people feel like they need to resist falling asleep, but, but it's really not a problem. Snooze away. Well, the first time, and, and I did community acupuncture, so uh, the first time it was really weird, you know, because there's people next to me, and I was, I, I, I'm a snorer, so I was afraid of, you know, I, I was weirded out with all these needles in my face, and um, then after that, I fall asleep every time, um, but I do have to tell you that as someone who uses this type of acupuncture, the technique is not the same for every acupuncturist, and some people are rougher than others. If you know what I'm saying, yeah. There's um, there are so many different styles of acupuncture. Uh, definitely hundreds, and maybe more than that. A lot of the a lot of the styles are passed down in family lineages from different parts of Asia, uh, mostly China, but uh, other parts of Asia as well. And there are contemporary modern forms that have been developed in Europe and the United States, and they're all valid. Um, they they're all effective in in their own way. Um, and then you add a layer of, you know, individual personality of the practitioner on top of that. And this is true of any physician. You know, we're all following rules and, and guidelines and we're all doing our best to be what we consider good practitioners, but we all have our own style. And some practitioners feel like it's really, remember that dull ache I mentioned? Some practitioners right. feel it's really important to get a very strong dull ache uh, with each insertion of, of the needle uh, or they feel that it's not a good treatment. And other types of practitioners, uh, people that practice Japanese acupuncture per se, which is typically very gentle, you know, they want a very subtle sensation. And it's really more about what the practitioner feels. So <laughs> it, it, it varies quite a bit. With what I do, some of the points are very subtle, but the ones that enter uh, specific uh, muscle tissue that we're trying to affect to correct alignment or to reduce inflammation or to activate a muscle, I want a fairly strong dull ache, not to the point where it hurts, but I do want the patient to feel it. We need strong stimulation on, uh, on the muscle tissue when, when we're doing those uh, particular points to be effective. Well, plus you're doing sports injuries. Yeah, I do sports injuries, not all sports injuries, but uh, a lot of them, you know, as you mentioned, the, it, it varies quite a bit who comes in and I really enjoy that. The, the spectrum of top level professional athletes um, all the way to people who really don't consider themselves athletes, but they want to move without pain. You know, <laughs> they want to use their body and, and not have pain. Um, so they all have varying levels of uh, sensitivity and you'd be surprised who's sensitive. Sometimes it's, it's big, tough guys come in and they're just, it's too much for them. <laughs> and other times, you know, 
little smaller might even appear frail. They just, they don't feel much. So you never know. So let me ask you a question. Uh, So there's people listening to this podcast right now. They're skeptical Mm -hmm. of what you do. Mm -hmm. So how does it work? I mean, is it scientific in some way or how does, how does this work? First of all, I totally understand their skepticism because I was too. And it is scientific. I mean, there's science behind everything. It's just a matter of whether we can explain something scientifically. So I think the reason that acupuncture in the United States, there's a lot of skepticism. There's also a lot of acceptance. I don't have to try hard to change people's minds anymore. They just, people want help and and they've heard it helps. But the, you know, the introduction of acupuncture and Chinese medicine into the United States, into the non-Chinese community, a lot of the people that kind of, um, that introduced it into, you know, middle class America that have been here for generations, they tended to be people who were pretty out there, right? They had to be experimental to, to even try something like this. It's so strange to our culture. So, you know, if you have somebody who's really into uh, energetics and spirituality, which there's nothing wrong with, but, um, and they, they're burning incense and they smell like patchouli oil and things like that, it's going to sort of create a culture around it of, hmm, I don't know, <laughs> with, <laughs> with your average American. But uh, there is science behind it. It's been embraced by National Institute of Health. The World Health Organization has a list of disorders that it's recommended for. And there is no way that the hundreds or actually thousands of licensed acupuncturists in California would be as busy as they are if it, if it wasn't helping people. And we know that it does certain things. We know that it releases endorphins, right? We know that it helps uh, balance serotonin in the brain, which helps us sleep and helps us feel good and has a slow, close relationship with norepinephrine and dopamine. So these are all neurochemicals that do things like help us have a good mood and, and sleep well. So can it help Can it help depression? It absolutely does help depression. That's one of the most popular uses of acupuncture. So that's not using any herbal remedy at all, but just getting acupuncture um, depends on the person, but it could be once, twice a week to start and then less and less after that. And if people want to reduce the amount of depression medication that they're taking, you know, they can explore things like that, but that's up to them and their doctor their MD who prescribed it, but you know that is an avenue. It's even used to uh, very effectively to help people get off really heavy uh, addictive drugs, such as heroin or oxycontin addiction. Oh, really? Very so it can. So do the um, facilities that work with I forget what they call them. You know the places where people go, the detox facilities. Yeah. Do they use acupuncture? Uh, some of them do, some of them don't. But the the protocol that's used in the United States primarily is called the NADA protocol. It's an acronym, and forgive me, I don't remember exactly what it stands for, but I think it's like North America something acupuncture. But basically, it's a protocol. It's not really holistic medicine because everybody gets the same treatment. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so we, we do have a holistic practice when we're acupuncturists, but this, you know, there's a couple of exceptions, but basically the NADA protocol was developed by a guy named Michael Smith in uh, New York in the seventies. There was a big heroin problem then, um, in the seventies in New York, and they made it mandatory where, you know, if you end up in drug court, um, and you're on really any drug, but, you know, primarily heroin, part of your due diligence is to, yes, you're going to work with a counselor that's going to help you with drug counseling, but you also have to go to acupuncture. And they'd had, they, I think they still do it. They have these big rooms with a lot of folding chairs and a bunch of volunteer acupuncturists and people walk in, they sit down, they get 
five needles in the ear and they sit there in silence. Nobody asks them any questions. So it's all anonymous. I think they do sign in, but nobody interacts with them other than putting the needles in. And then they remove the needles and they go about their business and they go in like three times a week. And they found that the recovery rate of heroin addicts that go through this program is significantly higher. I believe it's 50% more successful. Are you kidding me? No doubt. 50%? Why don't we make that mandatory then? Well, it is in New York (laughs) and and other areas of the States as well. I just don't know which areas. But I mean, here in in San Diego, we have at least one acupuncture school. It seems like the interns could do that volunteer work. Uh, That uh, may be going on and they do volunteer all over the county with different organizations, uh, public health. And there are addicts that come into some of the public health facilities uh, downtown and then uh, Pacific Beach, and they do they do get help on that level, for sure. When I was interning at Pacific College of Oriental Medicine, I had that experience as well, and it's it's really gratifying to help these people. Yeah, I mean, if there's a fifty percent increase, because I've heard that. Well, I wonder if it would work for smoking, because I've heard that quitting smoking is actually harder than quitting heroin. Really, any addiction, any addiction you're trying to get over, because it works. Addiction works with the same areas of the brain, causes problems with the same areas of the brain, and acupuncture helps affect those that area of the brain in a positive way. So it doesn't matter whether it's alcohol, whether it's heroin, whether it's smoking, who knows what. What if it's television? <laughs> Depends on why you're watching television so much. <laughs> so it works with addictions. What else can it work with? You know, what what other physical ailments? You know, can it the, work? the the broad answer is anything that's not a medical emergency, it can help with. So the other thing to know is those of us who are acupuncturists in the state of California are also Chinese herbalists. Our board exam that we take to become licensed as an acupuncturist includes uh, Chinese herbs. And so that combination of acupuncture and the herbs that we prescribe can help a myriad of conditions, hormonal imbalances, digestive problems, Menopause is very, very popular to get help. Infertility, it's huge with infertility in combination with in vitro fertilization. uh, And it helps. It does, and it makes IVF so much more successful. Or, you know, non-IVF, if people are just trying to get pregnant and and they're not going the IVF route, they still have a a higher success rate. So, and there are studies on, on all of this. Well, that's interesting. You know, my my client, my uh, listeners are baby boomers, so they're probably not trying to get pregnant. <laughs> well, they probably have kids who are. <laughs> they might be, yeah. yeah. But it seems like if you're going through that expensive IVF treatment, you should at least partner it with acupuncture if it makes that big of a difference, since it is so expensive to undergo that treatment. No doubt, absolutely. Hmm. So, do you have any stories about somebody that maybe thought that it was hopeless that you were able to help? Yeah, I I do. I have lots of them. That's how the business works. I mean, that's who comes in because acupuncture typically isn't top priority for people in terms of getting help with orthopedic problems unless they've had it before and they had great success. Then they call me first. <laughs> so 70-year-old <laughs> gentleman, um, he's been living on the coast in San Diego his entire life <laughs> and he's been surfing 60 out of those 70 years. Okay. Yeah. This guy is super fit and healthy, really positive attitude. And he was actually blessed because his shoulders stopped working when he was 70. Most guys, our shoulders start feeling weak and dysfunctional from paddling so much. By the time we're in our 40s or 50s, we start noticing it. 
So we buy thicker, longer boards so we can paddle better. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I digress. This, uh, this gentleman came in 70 years old and uh, he actually found me on the internet. It wasn't a referral. Most of my uh, patients are referred to me, but uh, he did a Google search and he really identified with me. He saw that I surfed and I'm an athlete and, and I help athletes and that's what he considered himself. So he comes in and he says, I don't know if you can help me. I've never done acupuncture before, but I've been out of the water. I haven't been surfing for, you know, I, I think it was six months. And he said, for the, oh. for the first time in my life. <laughs> and he was desperate. He wanted to get back out there. So I did an assessment uh, with him. And when somebody's 70, you always have to consider that osteoarthritis could be playing a role. So there could be bone spurs and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So things can get complicated, you know, when, when that's the case. But I checked his range of motion and his shoulders, and it was pretty limited from paddling in one direction, right? We're always, we call it internal rotation of the shoulder. So if you do that over and over again for 60 years, eventually there's going to be an imbalance. <laughs> right. And so he was, he was having significant pain. He wasn't even able to ride his bike around the neighborhood because oh, no. his shoulders were hurting so bad. He was a tough one. You know, most patients, it's somewhere between four and six treatments, and they're significantly better in their back doing their activity. Um, he was more like 10. Um, mm. And after the first four, we were both kind of scratching our heads going, oh, man, we're, we're not making great progress here. He was a little more comfortable. He, he didn't have pain at night when he was sleeping. But, you know, I, by the time we got fifth or sixth treatment, things really started turning around and he started getting really excited. And I was able to actually give him exercises that accelerated uh, the healing at that point. He checks in with me every once in a while, just gives me an update because uh, we really bonded, you know, during that that experience. I was seeing my future through him. <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, I better do some. So can somebody do exercises if they're a surfer to help prevent, you know, to maybe make it balanced Absolutely. on both shoulders? I wish I could get every surfer in the county or <laughs> to just in the world. To just, yeah. To just pay attention to me for like 10 minutes and I can give people exercises that'll keep them out of this uh, predicament because it's not fun. And a lot of guys, one of my best friends, his shoulders slowed down and he just threw in the towel. He said, Oh, I'm 45. That's what happens. You just get weaker. He just thought it was weakness <laughs> and it's not, it's, it's a muscle imbalance. One side of the joint, the muscles on one side gets shortened and really almost spastic. And the other side gets weak and it makes the whole joint dysfunctional. Uh, this guy, anyway, my, my buddy, I was just telling you about, he's actually coming in this week. I finally convinced him to come in. <laughs> So we're the same. Actually, I'm I'm about seven years older than him, and because I do these exercises to undo the damage that I do paddling, I'm paddling like a twenty year old now. It's fantastic. So it's great. Yeah. So your friend is coming in. You help the seventy year old, and I'm sure you've got tons of other stories. <laughs> we're getting towards the end of the interview process, so there's just a couple of questions that I want to make sure that I get in. Yeah. Tell me how a typical day, tell me a little bit about a typical day in your business and how it helps baby boomers, whether you're treating their parents or whether you're treating themselves or their children. How does that work? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, I, once people come in and I uh, treat them and they're excited, it's quite frequent. I do end up treating their whole family. I mean, I, uh, it's, it's mostly adults mostly uh, baby boomers and older, and then the professional athletes. But I do get to treat kids every once in a while. But typical day for me, I'm, I see somewhere between six to nine patients a day. 
and that keeps me as busy as I want to be um, any more than that. And, and I'm not able to provide the quality that I want. The typical stuff that comes in the door is a sciatica, a lot of sciatica, a lot of pain down between the shoulder blades and in the back and numbness and tingling in the hands and forearms. This stuff scares people and it's a mystery to them. And, you know, what's happening to me? So, you know, and they may have taken painkillers and that didn't work and they don't want to do surgery. So um, they come in and see me. So, you know, that's the type of person, the types of injuries that would come and see me out of the baby boomer generation. And then my surfers and golfers with rotator cuff injuries. But, you know, it's, it's kind of typical orthopedic stuff. So you just told us how some of your baby boomer client, you know, some of the things that they come in for. Do you ha- ever have older men? Is there a way for you to help an older man with erectile dysfunction that can't take Viagra? Yes, absolutely. Um, I actually have a fair amount of experience helping uh, gentlemen with that. And they usually come in for something like back pain first. <laughs> they, don't, you know, they, don't, they don't come in for no, that. They don't want to, they don't want to talk about it, but once they get to know me, they realize I'm just a regular guy and, and, uh, that I'm also not judgmental. And, uh, yes, I can, I can help with ED if they have, if they've had prostate cancer and the prostate was removed, oftentimes that does uh, damage to the nerve, um, that would help them have an erection. In that case, it's very difficult. I've had some success with that, but that's a difficult case. But if they're having erectile dysfunction and they haven't had a prostatectomy, it's definitely uh, worth a, a shot and high probability that they'll get good results. So that's something outside of the orthopedic arena, but uh, it, it, it does come up. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> well, I thought I'd ask because... You know, we do have people that listen to this show that are looking for, you know, that help as well. And we do talk about sex on the show. I don't talk about sex with the retirees usually unless they bring it up. But since you're a vendor, I thought I'd ask, yeah. you know, since since you, you know, might be able to help with that. Yeah. And basically the caveat is if you've had your prostate removed, you're probably not going to be able to help them. But if not, you might yes. be able to help. Yeah, yeah. And also keep in mind related to sex when your low back hurts or you have sciatica it's hard <laughs> yeah it's hard it's, it's, <laughs> it's uh that's challenging for sure, <laughs> sure it's difficult lots of creativity going on out there <laughs> exactly <laughs> well so you're helping couples too not just not just one person who comes in you might be helping two without knowing absolutely. it absolutely i've had lots of thank yous from people's spouses so <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know yeah. Okay, so you've told us some stories. Thank you so much for that. So there's always two questions that I like to ask at the end of the show. And the first one is, what do you think people should know before they retire? And it doesn't have to have anything to do with your business, but just from the people that you've, that you've worked with, because you work with all, you know, baby boomers and older. Some of them are active. I would say probably the majority of your clients are active, but what is the one thing that you think people should know about before they retire? This is so important, and I'm really glad you brought it up because it, it is a soapbox, and I was on it a, a minute ago, but I didn't spend much time on it, so this is a great opportunity. Don't throw in the towel. You, you know, there are things, health issues that come up in life that you know are very limiting, and there's not much that can be done. But 
I think there's a lot of people who are sort of giving up, stopping their activities that bring them joy uh, because they're buying into, oh, I am 50, I'm 60, I'm 70, I'm 80, and this is what happens when you're that age. So I guess that's it. I'm not going to play tennis anymore. I'm not going to golf anymore. I'm not going to surf anymore. And that's sad. In a lot of cases, it just doesn't need to happen. So keep trying. Keep seeking out things outside of your comfort zone. Try not to be judgmental about things that you haven't experienced before in terms of uh, healthcare, in terms of nutrition. Explore it. Be your own expert. I just, I just love that. And I'm constantly learning um, and I'm able to help myself and, and help other people so that they don't have to throw in the towel and they get empowered so that they can stay active. You know, activity brings happiness. We all know that. That's, that's really it keep the faith. That is great advice. And then there's one more question. It's somewhat related, but not exactly related. We, we have a lot of listeners who are either brand new retirees or they've been retired and they feel stuck in their lives, you know, for one reason or another. If you are sitting across from one of those either brand new retirees or a retiree that felt stuck, What's the one piece of advice that you would give them to have a successful retirement? First of all, figure out what success means to you. And that, that may be elementary to a lot of people, but I feel like in my parents' generation, they, they were just before baby boomers, but there was sort of a definition of what success was. And I think a lot of people got to the point in their lives where they felt like they should have been successful and you know, they, they may be looking on the outside. They got the car, they got the house, they have the kids, kids went through college and all that, and they're not happy. <laughs> so what, what is success? And look at it from a psychological perspective. How happy am I, right? What brings me happiness? Spiritual, family, health, all that. But really what it all comes back to is happiness and a sense of well-being. So figure out what that definition of success is that'll bring you that sense of well-being as you get older. That's got to be it. And I apologize if that's elementary to some people, but I think to other people that could be new information. <laughs> success is not the same to everybody. Well, I think it is new information. I just spoke with a woman the other day who decided at age 40 that she was going to quit her job, basically retire and move to Costa Rica. And now she lives in a 500 square foot house, but she's got an acre of lush green property and she loves her life. And she didn't love it when she was living in Los Angeles working 80 hours a week. Yeah, so, yeah. so to, to some people, you know, getting back and working full time is going to, is the going to bring them happiness. You know, I mean, if, if we want to feel productive in a professional way, why retire? <laughs> Right. Or one of the nice things about retirement is you can choose what to do with your time. Right. You know, and so that's what this show is about is what are you going to do with your time? And I think that you've given some excellent, excellent ex advice. So how do my listeners get a hold of you if they want more information? That's pretty easy. Um, I've got a phone number, an email and a website and I'm on Yelp and all that. But my phone number is 858-216-4419. Uh, my business is in Encinitas, right off uh, Highway 5, off the Santa Fe exit, right next to the hospital there. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can send it to michael 
at cypressacupuncture.com. Cypress, like the tree, C-Y-P-R-E-S-S, acupuncture.com. And the website is also cypressacupuncture.com. And how do you spell Michael? M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Okay, great. Well, you have been a wonderful guest. Thank, thank you so much for coming on the show and teaching my listeners a little bit about acupuncture and how it can help them rock their retirement. And it has just been a pleasure to have you. For my listeners, thank you once again for coming on and listening to the show, Rock Your Retirement. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter on the website, rockyourretirement.com. And we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. If you want to be able to walk your dog, go to the gym, do the dishes, or anything else while listening to the show, you can subscribe on the iTunes podcast app or on your Android app, such as Podcast Addict. It makes it so much easier to take the program with you. You can even listen in your car. Is your estate plan out of date or have you put off getting your estate plan in place? If so, we have some valuable free information for you on estate planning. To order your free copy of one of our informative books on estate planning, all you need to do is log on to www.geigerlawoffice.com and click on the image of the book you'd like to order at the top of the screen. In the request form, simply enter code PODCAST to get your free book. You can also request your free book or schedule an appointment with us by calling our office at 760-448-2220. We are a female-owned and operated boutique trusts and estate law firm located in Carlsbad, California, serving the greater San Diego area and Orange County.